0: Please turn your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. I am I'm am titling this Don't Blame God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the official title is Temptation and Its Consequences, but <laughs> James chapter 1. <laughs> Let's begin in verse 13. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Verse 14. But each one is tempted when he or she is drawn away by his or her own desires and enticed. Verse 15. Then when desire has conceived, It gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Okay. There's a mouthful there, isn't there? (laughs) All right. (laughs) Bless you. (coughs) Now, remember again that unlike the trials that are spoken of in James chapter 1 and verse 2, that come without warning, do you all remember that scripture? In James chapter 1, verse 2, remember we looked at these verses where the Apostle James said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. All right, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And it says, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, notice again something in there that it says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Trials come without warning. Those are things that, that's why he says when you fall into them. Okay. Temptations, on the other hand, take time and require your cooperation. You need to get this. (laughs) Okay. You know, you don't just sort of suddenly go, oh, I didn't know what I was doing and I suddenly sinned from nowhere. I could use examples, but I don't want to. Because, you know, hello, by the way, online. Um, <laughs> I have some whoppers going through my brain right now. But, uh, you know, people have all these excuses about how they did something bad. And it just, they it just, don't know how it happened. Oh, you thought about it. You spent time, I told you, this does not happen without your cooperation. You have to cooperate for this thing to happen trials are one thing trials are things that you know you go out and you find a flat tire or you know whatever it's kind of that's a trial okay but a temptation is different it takes time that's the reason why the uh james begins again in verse 13 by saying let no one say when he is tempted i'm tempted of god because he says again god cannot be tempted by evil nor does he himself tempt anyone, we will look at that verse in great detail because we really need to understand what he is saying in order to understand what to walk away from and also not to blame God for things that we are responsible for. If we push that off, and I've seen so many Christians do that. Oh, the Lord is testing me and trying me and doing all of these things. You know, 99% of that is you. Or the devil, okay, one of the two. Some days you can't tell the difference. You know, okay, I you know what I'm trying to say. You know? you know, when somebody chucks a snowball and you look behind and both of them are pointing to the other person. It's kind of like that. You know? I don't know which one. All right. I like uh, the literal text. It says, when you are tempted, don't ever say, God is tempting me. For God is incapable of being tempted by evil, and He is never the source of temptation. I really like that. We need to meditate on that for a little bit. Let me read it again. (laughs) Okay, He says again, when you are I'm going to read your commentary in a minute. He says again, when you are tempted, don't ever say, don't ever say, don't let it come out of your mouth that God is tempting me. I don't know how many people have said that. And then they make God look bad. Who wants to become a part of that? Right. You've got enough problems in your life? Yeah. Amen? To have a God running around tempting you? Yeah. No, you know, I'll find another one. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> he says, For God is incapable of being tempted by evil. We'll look at that in more detail. And he is never the source. He is never the source of temptation. Are you all with me? Okay. In his commentary John MacArthur writes, "The idea is let no person say to himself or herself that is rationalized to himself or herself that when he or she is tempted, he is being tempted by God. See we rationalize this." I don't know how many people, you know, have had issues in their life and they'll blame God for it because they think you know, by doing this thing, by saying God is sovereign. Who's heard that one? Okay, that God can do whatever he wants. And today he decided to pick on me. Because God is so powerful and he's amazing. And he has nothing else to do with his time. But chase me around and tempt me. Is what is actually being said. They sound spiritual. They sound like, you know, they're they're magnifying God, but they really are doing the opposite. Are you all with me? And so we need to be really careful that we even unknowingly don't say, you know, sometimes we say things and we don't even realize what we're saying. And we need to be so careful. I'll give you an example that might sort of drive this home a little bit. Be careful when you know if God has asked you to do something and you believe in your heart God asks you to do something and you you pursue it, and it doesn't work out. And then you say, "Oh well, you know, maybe God's trying to teach me a lesson or something." Hang on, if God ta- God doesn't change his mind, he's not double-minded. If he asks you to do that, then he asks you to do that, and he expected you to succeed, not fail half halfway, and don't you know and. Please check on your leadings. Now make sure it was God to begin with. Okay. Don't be like the guy that jumped out the boat and said, Lord, is it you? And he said, no. <laughs> and so He sank and died. Okay. You don't, you don't want to do that. It needs to be the Lord saying, jump out. Because yes. then things will solidify under your feet. Miracles will happen. Are you all here? You know, I think, I think that's step number one. We need to make sure that whatever we are being led to do, that it is God. It isn't our flesh or something, a desire within us that's quote-unquote leading us. And we really, really hope God blesses it. It ain't the same thing. Uh Uh-huh. When we look at the supernatural church and when we look at those gifts, we're going to realize something. They're gifts of grace. We're going to find out that you might not want to do some of that stuff. That's why I don't call it motivational gifts because it doesn't motivate you at all. (laughs) Okay? That's how I learned them. (laughs) Okay? And yeah, we'll deal with it when we get to it. Anyway, back to this. (laughs) So again, he says the idea is that no person say to himself, I'll just use himself, okay, that is is rationalized to himself, that when he or she is tempted, he or she is being tempted by God, meaning that no one should say that God is even indirectly responsible for temptation to evil. I really like that. That God is even indirectly responsible. Because some people think, oh yeah, but God let it happen. For God to let something happen, He is indirectly responsible. If I see a mugger coming to mug you and I allow it, I'm indirectly responsible. We see this kind of a thing um, <laughs> when David sends Uriah out back to the field because, you know, he slept with his wife. He's trying to get rid of the dude now. Okay? And sends him out there with orders for... And he carries the orders with him. Isn't this sad? His own death orders were in there. He takes... He's such an honorable man. He takes it. He hands it to the person that's in charge. And basically, long story short, you know, they say when they're in the battlefield, everybody step back and leave him there. And... Of course David didn't murder Uriah, but he was indirectly responsible for his murder. Can we get an amen on that? Would you call David innocent? I don't think so. So how can we say that about God? I told you this is one of my pet peeves. (laughs) We need to be so careful when we say God allows something. Now the things that God allows is when you decide you want to do something. And he'll take his hands off it because he has made your will sovereign even above his. Isn't that a shocker? Well, how do you know that? Because so many people are going to hell. And it's not his will for anyone to go to hell. So don't, you know, pedal that my way. <laughs> okay? Because the Bible tells us that God desires everyone to be saved. Do you know why? Because Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, paid a horrific price to free all of mankind, not just a few selected ones. Are you all here? All of mankind got taken down by the first Adam. The second Adam came and rescued the whole bunch. But it is our choice. And if we choose to go to hell, God will allow that to happen, even though it is not his will but that's the only allowing that happens. Are you all with me? So we need to be careful how we use that phrase. Okay, back to this, I'm spitting all over my notes. All right. So again, he says here, that's why I really like what he said here. No one should say that God is even indirectly responsible for temptation or evil. He is in no way and to no degree responsible directly or indirectly for our being tempted. End of story. Nothing to do with him. We mess up. We do something wrong. We need to repent. Knowing he had nothing to do with it. See, that was another thing that annoys me. You know, people that say, oh, well, God was, you know, somehow responsible. And then they go to repent to him. Why? Why bother? If you think he was behind it, why repent? He's the one that was responsible for your mess. Nothing to repent about. That's why most Christians go, why God? And he goes, why what? Because they're blaming him. All the wise are directed toward him doing something wrong to them, and they're questioning him. And they keep missing the fact that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy in a world where apparently God is in control of everything. Does that not make sense? That's just weird, dude. How can God, who is everywhere all the time, Permit and allow a thief to come in. Are you all with me? If he's in control, he's in control. If he's not, then who is? And God said, let them have dominion. We're going to keep our fingers out of it. <laughs> if they call on our help, we'll be there. Ask and you shall receive. Seek, you'll find. Knock, you'll be open. You don't ask. Forget about it. I'm not doing anything because I can't transgress your will. Okay. Hallelujah. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Let us continue. All right. (laughs) Added to this, Simon J. Kistemacher also reminds us that in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches the believers to pray, lead us not into temptation. Of course, in this petition, Jesus did not say that God is tempting us. This is a bad translation, by the way, because that is impossible. What he does teach us is that we must ask God to keep us from falling into temptation, which is the reason why the New Living Translation, if you've got one of those, it's really great. All right, It more accurately translates the word of Jesus to read in Matthew 6.13, and don't let us yield to temptation but deliver us from the evil one. I I wish they didn't put one in there because it's evil of every kind. Okay, it's not just the guy. It's anything and everything that's evil. But I want you to notice something. It's Jesus said, don't let us yield to temptation. Do you know how many times God has got in the way of people trying to do the wrong thing? And they have insisted on doing the wrong thing. And then they blame God, they have the nerve to blame God after he did everything possible to stop that individual. You know, we need to take responsibility for this and we need to see the signs when something is getting in the way, especially if you're doing something wrong and something is getting in the way, listen to that. Because they're trying to help you. Are you all here? Anyway, he wasn't to say, who then tempts man? Scripture is plain on this point. Satan. (laughs) Okay? To be precise, Satan has the name the tempter. This is in Matthew 4 uh, 4 and verse 3. Also, 1 Thessalonians 3:5 tells us that. And sadly, Satan is amazingly successful in leading man or woman into temptation and sin. Why? Why? The reason is because we, when we were saved, even though we became a new creation, now Pastor Verity is dealing with all of this. Thank you, Pastor Verity. All right, <laughs> that's in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, by the way. Our bodies remain the same. Who, reali- who, who, who have you figured that one out? You know, when I got saved, I looked in the mirror and it was the same problem. <laughs> I was saying, Lord, what happened? <laughs> You know, you're a new creation on the inside. On the outside, we need to work on it. And you need to allow the inside to come out. We are meant to be changing from glory to glory, even in our bodies. Are you all here? You know, one day we, we, I believe... That one day we'll get back our original clothing, the glory. Are you all here? Everything has a covering. Our covering was the glory. How do you know that? Well, what does God wear? <laughs> Pants and a t shirt. <laughs> he is covered from the loins up and the loins are his glory everywhere. That's his covering. And when he said, let us make man in our image, that was our covering. When we sinned, we lost the glory. We became naked. And we had to find fig leaves or something. The hula skirt was invented. (laughs) Okay, all right. Yeah, you know what I'm trying to say? All right, so. (laughs) That's where most of the problems are. Our bodies. That's why the Apostle Paul himself writes in Romans chapter 7. Let's read in verses 18 and 19. Now this is the Apostle Paul. He says, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. <laughs> right? For to will is present with me, but to perform what is good, I do not find. Verse 19, for the good that I will do, I do not. The, the good that I will to do, excuse me, he says I do not. So I will to do good and I don't do it. And he says, and the evil I will not to do, that I practice. I mean, not just do, but practice. <laughs> Jump down to verse 24. He goes, oh, wretched man, that I am. <laughs> oh, Paul, you're so dramatic. All <laughs> right, <laughs> Who will deliver me from this body of death? And verse 25, I'm just going to read the first part from two different versions. This version says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I love the New Living Translation. It says, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's where the answer is to how are we going to be delivered from this. It is the Lord. If we allow him. Do you hear what I'm saying? It is all about our will. If we will not to, it won't happen. If we will to, it will happen. It is our will. We need to decide. And we need to be careful that we're not allowing our body to lead the way. Or even a fallen mind. That's why the Apostle Paul says in uh, Romans chapter 12, you know, don't, verse 2, be not conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Changing your mind, renewing your mind transforms you. But if your mind is stuck in something, and it's believing something, and it allows that to stay, it will destroy you. Are you all with me? But what, do we, what does the Bible say about our mind? That we have What? A messed up, depraved mind? No. It says we have the mind of Christ. It's in there. It needs to be activated and allowed out. (laughs) Okay? You know, we suppress so much. This one we need to let out. All right. (laughs) So, let's get back to this. What's even wor- worse is that so often when we do sin, instead of repenting and taking responsibility for it, we tend to look for someone else to blame for our mistakes. <laughs> I have to read this commentary. R. Hughes says, putting the blame elsewhere is popular in our culture. Will Rogers once remarked that there are two eras in, uh, eras in American history, the passing of the buffalo and the passing of the buck. <laughs> <laughs> someone else had said to err is human to blame it on the divine is even more human <laughs> hello how true it's one thing for us to make mistakes boy but I tell you we straight away blame God for it don't we you know why because of that erroneous teaching that God is in control of everything It's an erroneous teaching. It sounds holy and respectful, and it is so wrong. I brought this up before. We truly need to understand that God is not... By by design, he decided that he wouldn't be in control of everything. He could have decided. He could have said, that's it, I don't trust nobody. (laughs) Okay? Oh, I'm just going to control everything. But you know what? God isn't controlling. The devil is, but never God. He created man with a free will, men and women, with a free will. But not only that, he said, I want you to take responsibility. I want you to have dominion. Are you all with me? You can't do that with somebody taking over all the time. Have you ever tried to do something and, you know, somebody's trying to teach you something and then you get something wrong and they just jump in and say, just give it to me, I'll do it. Oh, well, thanks a lot for letting me learn. You know? It's like, you got to make mistakes along the way. Okay? And so God was not going to do that. All right. Back to this, back to this, back to this. So getting back to the latter half. Of verse 13. Notice again how the Apostle James says, For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself uh, tempt anyone. In his commentary, John MacArthur explains, The phrase cannot be tempted in the Greek is used only here in the New Testament and carries the idea of being untemptable. Without the capacity for temptation. In other words, I'll explain it to you. As R. Kent Hughes writes, the sense is that God is unsusceptible to evil. Evil has never had any appeal for him. Please get this, is this is core, okay? It is repugnant and abhorrent to him. Evil cannot promote even the slightest appealing tug in the heart of God. And so because he cannot be tempted to sin, James' conclusion follows. Nor does he tempt anyone to sin. God has never tempted us to sin because he cannot. It is a moral impossibility. Did you get all of that? I thought that was gold. Amen. Really need to see. See, that's why. <laughs> thank you. That's the reason why. Instead in 1 John. 1 and verse 5, this is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness. No darkness. And he could have stopped there, but he adds two more words at all. You're here. Anything to do with temptation is darkness. Anything that to do with causing you to slip up, for you to fall, is darkness. No matter how subtle it is, no matter how remote it is, it is still darkness. And we need to understand something about God, that He is light and there is absolutely no darkness in Him at all. Are you all with me? That's the reason why when we spend time in the light as He is in the light, let me digress here a minute. It will wash away the darkness because there's no darkness in there at all. And for us to come into that light, we have to let go of the darkness. Did you hear what I said? You can't take your darkness into the light, so to speak. Now, you can repent and do all those things, but you need to repent and do all those things. okay? Because darkness and light cannot coexist together. Whenever you switch a light on, the darkness doesn't hang on. It can't. Isn't it interesting how you turn a light on and the darkness disappears? You turn the light off and it's there instantly. Did you just get what I said? (laughs) So much of the time we say, not now, God. And we immediately allow the darkness to come in and it will destroy us. That's what it's designed to do is to destroy because of who's behind it. Are you all here God never ever planned for us to live in darkness ever. Amen. We are children of light it actually says that in the Bible. Revelation 4:8 We see the holiness of God here. Why it's morally impossible for him to do anything related to sin. Revelations 4.8, it says, The four living creatures, each having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Notice, holy, holy, holy. Boy, they'll see anything unholy. You know, they have eyeballs everywhere. Hello, <laughs> OK. If there was anything out of place, there would be no three holies. Maybe a holy and a half, but not three. Hello, OK? Now I was just making a point here, okay? But notice that they can see everything and they say, "Holy, holy, holy, are you?" Hallelujah. The Apostle James, let's go on to verse 14. So now we understand verse 13. Okay, all right. <laughs> Goes and explain where all the trouble comes from by saying in the next verse, in James 1.14, But each one is tempted when he or she is drawn away by his or her own desires or lust and enticed. Now, I don't know if I want to get into this today because we are basically out of time. Let me just read this. The literal text says this. It says, instead, it is each person's own desires and thoughts that drag them into evil. I really like the way it's put there. It's their own thoughts and desires that drag them into evil. You know, that is an enticement. That is a pulling. Who knows what I'm talking about? And he says, and once hooked by the bait, Of evil from their own desires they are lured away and beguiled wow it all begins with us it all begins here amen you know i think this is this is probably key to uh, thank you lord uh we need to do this before we could talk about the supernatural church because we can't have this hanging around in a church it will not be be a supernatural church Are you all with me? We need to identify certain things and we need to get things out of our life if we are going to walk in the Spirit. One of the things that I realized in studying uh, on the subject of the Supernatural Church was our cooperation with the Holy Spirit that allows that to happen. And He wants to do a lot of things in us to get us there. You know, we want to get to a certain place, but there are certain places in our life that we won't allow Him in. And it is those very places that he needs to get into in order for us to step into the power of God, the presence of God, the glory of God. Are you all with me? And so while we are fighting this, while we are thinking, and see, this is the thing that you know, the enemy does so often, is that he, you know, it's a, he just always puts our eyes on the natural. It's always about, oh, you know, what does it matter? And we we have this if nobody sees, you know. <laughs> oh, if I don't get caught, you know. Hello. And that's, that's, that's a life that's, you know, one of, one of my favorite preachers, you know, Charles Neiman. He says, you know, those are the kind of people that have one foot on the ground and one foot in the grave. And the, the devil has got a can of WD-40 and he's spraying the one. <laughs> he's trying to help you in, you know what I mean? And that's so true. You know, we, 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 we risk things. We kind of walk on this edge. And we think we've got it and we don't. There is something supernatural arrayed against us. And what's sad is we've got something supernatural and more powerful on our side. Wings folded, waiting to do something. That's why I really love what Elisha said to his servant. When he said, there are more With us, then with them, with them. Not them, with them. I suddenly realized Elisha wasn't just talking about, you know, the number of them, you know, him and his servant and the, the chariots of fire against the army. He was talking about them and the chariots, the army and whatever was driving them. And he said, we got more on our side than they do on theirs. And sweetheart, at the end of the day, it's them fellas that matter. Because one of them took out 185,000 in one night without breaking a sweat. That's right. I mean, took them all. It's just one, one angel, one. Somebody goes, you need help? Nah, I'm, I'm fine. It's only 185,000. It's not a big deal. Are you all here? That's what he's on about. When he says there are more with us than with them. Hallelujah. All right. <laughs> There's so much to this next verse. Uh, we are going to leave it here because we have, we have crossed over that line. I, want to, I don't want to rush through this. Is that okay? This is so very important. We really need to get this. And also, I think we need time to assimilate this. You know what I'm trying to say, okay? Because this is just too much otherwise. So what I want you to do is, you know, I I guess what we want to do as we're moving to the place where we want to become this supernatural church, you all understand it's not the building, it's you. Amen? We're the ones, wherever we go, should be shining out. That's what was meant to... That's why we were meant to be so different to this world. You know what Jesus did on the Mount of Transfiguration? Remember when he, he shone like the sun? Let me, let me leave you with this. Do you know the same word? The same word. The same word is used in Romans 12 too. When he says, and do not be conformed. To this world, but be transformed. Metamorphosized is the word. It's the exact same word that they used. It was only used three times. Twice to tell us what happened with Jesus and once to tell us what should happen with us. Wow. Wow. That's in the supernatural church part. Okay, <laughs> we'll get to that. Alright. <laughs> it's I told you there's a lot of stuff there. But you need to get something here that's where god wants to take us when we got saved when we got born again when all things became new they were meant to become new on the inside and on the outside it was meant to shine through to the place where it just burnt out everything on the outside that we became brand new creations that shone like the sun and there would never be the question what religion do you belong to this ain't religion Amen? When you're shining like the sun, something is up. Hello. Can I get a little amen on that one? You don't have to evangelize nobody. They'll just come to you. And by you just being there, you drive out the darkness in others. They will sense a freedom whenever they're with you and want to know, how do I get that? And then you can help them be the same. Are you all here? But it all... All of that rests on decisions that we make about what compromises we make in our life. And hold God up in the process. I don't mean hold him up like this. We just hold him up, we get in the way. (laughs) Amen? Let's not. I know it will take time, and I want you to take time. Examine your lives. This is not an overnight change. Overnight change is not good. You know, some people guilt people into doing things they make them feel bad. I don't know how many people have just suddenly gone, oh, I'll never do that again, and I just know they're headed for a fall. I just know that. What you want is about three weeks, six weeks, six months later, you suddenly look back and go, hang on a second, I'm not doing that thing anymore. I'm not feeling this way anymore. I'm not getting mad at things anymore. What happened? You transformed. Hallelujah, something happened and it happened quietly and you allowed God to do it because that isn't a sudden change and it's permanent. Are you all here? Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word and Father, we want to cooperate with you. help you to get us to that place where we become the church that you desired so much in your heart that we would be. The church that the gates of hell could not prevail against. Hallelujah. And I thank you for each and every in every individual in the sound of my voice, Father, that you help them go on a journey of self-discovery, a lot of repenting, <laughs> <laughs> whatever it takes, that we all get to that place where we allow you unlimited access to our lives. That we understand that there is always First 1 John 1 nine on this journey. Whenever we miss it, whatever has been ailing us and just being a problem in our life, That we are quick to confess our sins, not carry it around, not allow it to fester and manifest in all kinds of ways. But that we confess it and allow you to forgive us and to cleanse us and get us back on our feet. And I thank you, Father, that as we do so, that we will go from glory to glory.